Welcome to the Dreamcast Podcast. My name is Daniel Bozinski, and my goal is to help you find purpose and become the greatest version of yourself. Every week, our promise is to deliver one-of-a-kind stories of individuals who are pioneering purpose in their life. These are people I personally would have loved to have as mentors and leaders in my life in the past, and now they're right here at our fingertips. The Dreamcast guests are willing to be authentic, genuine, and human about their struggles and success. To me, purpose is priceless, and if you're looking to make an investment into your life yourself, I believe you've come to the right place. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. Well, welcome back to the Dreamcast Podcast. Today's guest was born in Washington, but grew up in Idaho. He currently is the CEO of an online retail store called Tanga. Tanga is an awesome online store that is all about the deals. Every morning, Tanga launches one insane deal to the public, and they are sometimes almost too good to be true. For the past three years in a row, Tanga has been featured in Inc.'s 5,000s list of fastest growing companies in America. Our guest is pretty awesome and has an incredible story. You know, he was Seattle's Business Journal's 30 under 30 business leaders in 2015 and was accepted into the Entrepreneurs Organization of Arizona. His previous work experience includes being the president for Direct Connect, which was one of the first companies to create an internet shopping system, as well as the president for Virtual Servers, LLC. One of the top 10 web hosting companies in the world back in 1996, which eventually was sold for $50 million. Not only is he the CEO of Tango, but our guest also happens to be the CEO of Belchic, which is a marketplace for unique handmade goods such as jewelry and LOL shirts and many other things as well, both of which are clothing divisions of Tango. He is living out his dream one online sale at a time. Jeremy Young, welcome to the Dreamcast. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Hey, that first conversation, I just loved hearing your story, your heart, yeah, just your, your your openness too, right? I mean, you've got so many great things that I'm excited to extract um, from your story, but why don't you kind of start us off here telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're calling from, and uh, kind of how you got into what you're doing, and then we'll jump in. Absolutely. So uh, let's see here. I live in Gilbert, Arizona, which is a suburb of Phoenix. I've been here about seven years, um, really when Tangus decided to move the family down to this area just because of the weather and the access to the airport and the, and the great people we can hire down in, in the Arizona um, area. I've got uh, um, three kids. So McKenna is 17, Julia is 16, <clears throat> and Kyler is 13. And I've uh, been married to Molly for 23 years. Um, so yeah, we've been married a very long time. That's so cool, man. Just to kind of hear you got the teenagers. I've got a one-year-old and a two-year-old, so I'm, uh, I'm quite far behind from you. But... <laughs> But um, I think that what's I was just talking to a buddy yesterday. He was like, well, he's like, don't tell me that it's hard now. Just wait till they're teenagers oh, yeah. and they can tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. Wait, wait until they're they turn 15 to 17. And uh, it's a whole other experience for sure. Yeah, it's he super hard. That, he said that his daughters will come in and say, you don't know me and you don't know my life. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, I guess you're right. I definitely don't have that problem. Mine's more like, you know, goo goo gaga and roll on the floor and laugh. So, well, so tell us a little bit of your story. Tell me, I mean, I want you to pick a point in your life and kind of catch us up to where you are now. And, and again, I, and I know you kind of weed in a little bit of what we talked about in your intro, but kind of the gaming stuff. Why don't you tell your story in that capacity? Sure. So I, um, 
out of college, I started a web hosting company and grew it very, very quickly to a $50 million sale to Micron Electronics. That was back in December of 99. <clears throat> and uh, during that time, I was introduced to some board games through a friend of mine that, uh, that worked with me, Nablis Francois. And he really interesting board games from Germany in his office, and he wanted me to play them, and I kept resisting and resisting. And eventually I played a few of these. One was a game called Settlers of Catan. Uh, one game was called uh, El Grande. He had uh, a few other kind of unique games that all – the rules were in German, but uh, the games were super compelling, fun, easy to, to learn, um, played in between 90 to 120 minutes. And I really got interested in these games and decided that I wanted to start producing board games, specifically games coming out of Germany, um, games that had a proven track record that had sold hundreds of thousands or millions of copies over in Europe that I could then rebrand into my own uh, game brand as well as produce them in English uh, and manufacture them. That's an undertaking. That's like a big undertaking. And then manufacture yeah. them too. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we, we found some manufacturers of board games in China uh, that could produce these uh, quality components for us. And I had never done hard goods before. So it was completely, completely new. I didn't know what I was doing. What about the distribution um, channel? Did you create that as well? We we tr thought that we could just distribute these games. And so we would go to New York Toy Fair and we'd have a booth and you'd get uh, Target stopping by and we would show them a game like Alhambra, which won German Game of the Year. And we'd say, hey, this game sold two million copies last year in Europe. You know, we're producing this for the United States market. You know, how many copies would you like to put on your shelves? And they'd kind of giggle and laugh and say, well, you know, if, if we if you need to produce like a half a million copies of this game, we need to put it on the shelves. And then if it doesn't sell through 10% in X number of days, you got to bring it all back. Um, and then we want a certain number of uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars for joint advertising spend. And it really, the traditional board game market is controlled by Hasbro and Mattel. And the retailers would rather sell the X number of uh, Monopoly games like Simpson Monopoly or Game of Thrones Clue or what have you than they than they would putting um, uh, a new game on the shelf with they don't have any experience. Consumers don't know. So it really came down to distributing it through hobby game stores, comic stores, online. So it's very difficult to get any distribution at all um, through traditional uh, retail shelves. And so we would then um, produce these games and sell them to hobby stores and comic stores. And just to give you some frame of reference, if we sold five thousand copies of a particular SKU, that would have been considered a success in the hobby market. Wow. And uh, and so it, um, it, we just couldn't make any money uh, after three or four years of producing maybe 50 or 60 different SKUs. It's kind of like writing a book. Like if you write 5,000 or if you sell 5,000 copies, like you're top 1% of all books sold in, in the industry. And that's like, it might not seem like a lot, but that's a lot. Like that's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. It is, and and you're only making a, a you know a dollar or two per board game um, when you consider you have to sell to distributors, you got to pay royalties and manufacturing costs and shipping costs and production costs and storage costs and artist royalties. I mean, it became really hard to make any money, and so I just decided to shut the uh, business down. But I had all of these board games in a warehouse in Ohio, 
and uh, needed a quick way of liquidating inventory. So I actually started Tanga to uh, do one daily deal of a board game uh, every single day. And that's how Tanga was born. Uh, and so every day we'd have a new board game. People could come on and purchase it as best price they would ever find. Uh, and that's how Tanga was started. Man, that's so cool. So that so first, I, I want to go more into that. But first, tell me, like, what gets you into the board games, though? Like, I know you said that your buddy with the jerk, like, you kind of just were following your passion or like you were following like, hey, I can make some money here. What was that? You know, it's a little bit of both. I, I had no idea how the board game business worked. Um, I had no idea how to make any money at it. I just knew that these games were incredibly fun. If you've ever played a game called Settlers of Catan. My I mean, buddy is like obsessed with it. Like that's all he talks yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible game. I mean, I, I, I recommend that game to everybody that, that wants to try something new. And uh, it, it, it's addictive. It's, it's incredible. You can even download it on all the app stores, play it on your Xbox. Um, I think it's sold like 15 or 20 million copies around the world. Wow. And and so I just I, I just really wanted to bring these really cool board games that were different than the Monopoly where you roll a dice and move a piece and it's all luck based. You know, these games have strategy. These games have interaction, trading mechanisms, great themes. Most of the games you could teach an eight year old and you can play in an hour. And so I really wanted to bring fans like they do in Germany, where you literally have 150,000 consumers go to Essen on a weekend and play all the latest board games, kind of like the E3 for board games. Right. And I thought I could recreate some of that um, passion for family gaming in the United States. Community, right? Uh, like building yeah, community. Yeah, exactly. So right. you talked also about like getting the China distributors. Like Those weren't phone calls. Like You had to like fly to China, right? Or I mean, I'm just making an assumption. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but before that, I and I had a lot of friends that I could network with through my previous business experience. And so I started reaching out to several different uh, companies. And one company was out of Chicago who, um, luckily, they were producing board games for some other... Uh, in fact, this was the main investor in Groupon that, that had this printing company. And so I, uh, before Groupon was even in existence or even started, I was working with with uh, that particular company to produce games over in China, uh, as well as using some of the production facilities in Germany as well. So let's say that I had a game from Robinsberger, and a lot of times they could just double their production of a particular board game. We'd print the rules and components in English, and then we would ship it from Germany. Unfortunately, the euro uh, was super strong during the time we were trying to do this, so it became way too expensive to produce any games in Germany, even though they had better move all of our manufacturing over to China. Really? Okay. So, like, this is what's so interesting about everything you're telling me here is how much work it takes to kind of even put one game together. I mean, that, like, had to take a year to, like, get all the pieces. It does take some time, yeah, especially if you're working from a prototype. Uh, funny story, there's a really popular game out called Ticket to Ride, uh, you can buy it in Barnes and Noble. I think even Target has it. And I, uh, I, uh, Alan Moon, uh, the designer of the game, was a friend of mine, and he sent me a prototype, which is basically like um, pieces that he created himself for this particular game. And it sat on my desk for a couple of weeks because I was at a family reunion. Came back, played it with my game group, loved it. Called him and said, "Hey, I want that game." And he had already sold it to uh, Eric Houtman from Days of Wonder, who is another startup board game company tech guy. 
And it ended up winning the German game of the year that year. And so um, <laughs> Ticket to Ride just became a huge overnight success. Um, but, again, you know, it just shows you the people who who act fast and don't delay and procrastinate end up uh, getting ahead. Right. Like you wanted, you should have played that game earlier, basically, right? It's like all about Absolutely. kind of finding out what's the successful one. And I, I like how doing that is kind of playing it yourself. That's the ones that you had success stories in. So – and again, I want to rewind one more time so that when we move forward, we can move forward. But you, you start this web hosting company. Like, I mean, it's hard to not make a massive deal out about it. Like you, $50 million. Like that's, you, you built it. You were the CEO. It was like right out of college. Like what the heck, Jeremy? Like tell us about that story. That's crazy. So I was in college and I had another company called Direct Connect where we were building websites for um, uh, telemarketing uh, clients. So we had Rush Limbaugh that would, um, we would sell his ties and, and books. And then we had Proform Fitness and some other companies like US Robotics where we were taking inbound phone calls for them. And I wanted to create um, a website. So this was back in the early 90s. And so I actually created a company called Direct Connect with Tim Stay, the owner of the company, to build websites for his telemarketing uh clients. And we were some of the first people to actually uh, do e-commerce back in the early 90s. I mean, I think when we started, Netscape was just barely existing. Uh, we didn't have any like real web browsers. Like, um, uh, Man, that's like boots like, on the ground. That's like bootstrap right yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, it, it was really, really early on. I mean, so this, this was super early on. SSL had just been created to allow encrypted uh, communication through web. Um, and anyway, we, we created these different websites for, for these large, uh, telemarketing clients. And, and after I was done with that company, that company actually sold to about.com for 27 million back in probably 98, uh, timeframe. Wow. And so while I was doing that, uh, running that company, I was paying monthly fees for our web hosting. I really liked that model because with re reoccurring revenue every month, we, uh, you know, the, the web hosting company would just charge our credit card. And I thought, man, that's a great business. Actually, went over to the uh, owners of that company in Utah, and I said, hey, can I create a, a white labeled uh, version of your product, and I will brand it myself. We'll be a reseller of your product, and so we did that. And um, with it, very very quickly, we grew that web hosting company to uh, a $50 million sale in about three years. And so it was completely what does that look like? I had no money. What yeah. did that look like from a monthly revenue standpoint to be able to sell for $50 million, What did you have to have at that time? Um, we were doing a little over a million dollars of revenue a month. Man, that is such a cool story. And, and I love like every time I'm listening to all these things you did, you just, you acted, you moved. You're like, well, man, that could be something. And it wasn't like you let it, you didn't let things stay a thought, right? Like, but you had to have a lot of ideas that you didn't put into action. Like what was the differentiator from one that you put into action, like web hosting to probably the hundreds of others that you're getting while you're sitting there laying on your back about to fall asleep? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think I just, uh, you know, sometimes I, I don't think about it too. But people, when they, when they really sit down and overanalyze and really start to think about everything, it brings inaction. And part of my core value, especially in my current business, is go fast and accept uncertainty. 
because if we do not go fast, someone else is going to. And if we don't, if we don't throw a hundred things against the wall this month to see what sticks, there's going to be someone else that's going to take our market. And so, really, it is. It, you know, I haven't written a business plan for any of my businesses. Um, it's all just been let's just start working, let's work hard, let's pivot when we need to, let's go fast, accept uncertainty, and it's actually worked out for me really well. Wow, that is so cool to hear you say that. Ser- like, come on, man, that is great. The fact that even like you don't build the business plan, and I know that again, that might not be traditionally the correct way to do it. But when when you're saying that, the only reason I get excited is I'm like, man, that's like me. Like, I just kind of like, just like, how are you doing what you're doing? I don't know. I just go. You just go for it. Like, you go for it. I've got a really good feeling. And the last 10 times I had a really good feeling, seven of those were really good, right? Like, right, right. it's encouraging to hear. I should say that's a better way of, of verbally depicting that for me. So tell me in your journey, two very important and impactful people that have come into your life um, that have been you know, monumental to where you're at. So I would probably, you mean in terms of business or? Yeah, let's do it in terms of business yeah. and then maybe more of an in turn of like kind of a, a, the source behind all that that you put into business. Sure. Um, I would probably say uh, there's a there's a guy named Lynn Castle. I've been, I worked with him in my vServer uh, company in Seattle. And why, why he was important was he had a company called Light Realm and they were doing uh, dedicated web hosting. They were doing DSL connections, point-to-point T1s. Uh, they were working with Spielberg to create um, the Starbright network for uh, uh, kids in hospitals where they have the largest ATM in, in America, uh, where they would connect computers, allow sick kids to talk to each other. And he wow. was super brilliant. And um, when we wanted to create our own technology to move off of our reseller so that we could control our own destiny, he, him and his team of a couple of people really were instrumental in creating the technology that helped us move our uh, web hosting customers to our own technology and allow us to really grow and, and, and manage our own uh, business, basically. And he is one of my best friends since. In fact, um, I just saw him in Seattle last week. I talked to him probably once a week. Uh, brainstorming different business ideas and and things because he's he's running a te- technology company that uh, handles security for for large corporations and so we you know we're always talking and the guy is just incredibly brilliant incredibly insightful and and he always gives me those aha moments when I'm talking to him and every single time and so he's been instrumental in my life for sure just as a friend and and as a business partner. Yeah, I like the aha moments. That's like super true to when you find someone like that. Yeah, you can't not have the continued synergy with someone like that. Oh, right, yeah, who else? Um, so I would say another thing that's really helped me in my life is a man named Brent Wade. He was a life and business coach of mine for about seven years, seven or eight years. Uh, and he he's just an amazing individual that can help you break down why you're feeling certain things um, really helped me on my personal and family um, issues that I've had in terms of helping me um, uh, not get so stressed out about everything. And when problems happen, not completely losing it with stress and freaking out and realizing that I'm going to get through things that hit me um, and that come and you know, block my path. And so he's been really instrumental as well in my life. That's great. So, and then, I mean, on a personal level, it's like, 
everything you do kind of comes because, I mean, I, I say it this way, like when I come home to my family, you know, without my family, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now because they just give this sense of drive to provide for them, to give them a life that maybe, you know what I mean? Just like, I mean, that's kind of my, my family, my kids, my, my wife, for you, what is it on a personal level, those relationships that just kind of like hit home? So for me, it's, it's everything. I mean, wife has been supportive of me and everything I've done for 24 years. I mean, I, from the moment we were married, I was an entrepreneur, um, really working for myself. And I have not worked for anybody other than a year when Micron purchased us and I had to work in that uh, corporation for a year. Um, and so she has been completely 100% supportive of all my travel, of everything that, I, that I've tried to accomplish, any crazy business ideas that I have. And, um, you know, them That's and unique, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she never complains. She never... Um, gets after me, you know, I, I, when I get home, I try to help. I try to, um, you know, if the dishes need to be done, trash taken out, um, uh, you know, do laundry or, or what have you just to be able to help out because she's trying to raise three kids and, and all the stress that comes with that. But it's been, it's been a great partnership over the years and it's, it's been amazing actually. Your story is so special, honestly, like all the travel, all the things, even just you talking about your wife in that way and your family, so, I mean, because you, you have a huge demand on you, like, tell me about Tanga. Uh, tell me a little bit about the products and then tell me about maybe some hot product items and the quantity you've sold of those, you know? Sure. Uh, so, Tanga is a daily deal marketplace. Like I said, we started out with just one deal every single day and, and quickly grew that into multiple deals every single day. We have, um, you know, hundreds of deals that we launch every single day and, and we try to per deal to you when you come to the website or when we email you. Um, and so if you come and join our mailing list, we'll start to show you deals that we feel will resonate with you. And everything is best of web price point that we, that we show you. Um, and you can't find a better price online. So, um, but what's the second part of the question? Yeah. Just like, so first tell me too, like how many products do you have on there at any time? Like, is it thousands? Well, we have millions um, because it is a full-fledged e-commerce marketplace. But the, the daily deals and flash sales that, that we promote, the managed deals that we put in front of you in email and on the front page, we will have about 60 to 100 a day. Yeah, tell me a hot item too, like a hot item. And you're like, hey, you know, we, you know we've sold a million of these. Is there, is there any of those types of stories? Um, not millions, but we've sold, I mean, millions of dollars, but not millions of units. We've, we've sold probably a million dollars worth of bed sheets um, over the past several years. Um, we probably sold a half a million dollars of men's fashion socks and like between 10 to 30 pairs in packages um, over the past couple of years. That's been a huge hit. Uh, we saw a ton of iPads, refurbished Apple equipment. Um, that's been a big, uh, a big part of our business over the past year. Man, that is so cool. Like all these unique, did you ever think that you'd be like selling men's socks, a half a million dollars in men's right. socks? Yeah, it is pretty like, crazy. Who would have known, right? So uh, one of the things that comes to my mind is, is what does it take? How, what does it take from Jeremy to do what he does? Um, and specifically, how many employees and team members do you have? And then just emotionally and mentally, like what does it take for you to run these companies? So I have about 45 employees currently. Uh, most of them, 95% of them are here in Arizona with us in our office. And I could not do it without the team here. I mean, I, I rely on my CTO, who's unbelievably amazing, probably one of the strongest 
if not the strongest CTO and tech guy in Phoenix. We were lucky to to have him join our team because he wanted to work someplace close to his home. And we, we live in the suburbs and we work in the suburbs. Um, we, I've got an incredible CFO who just won the CFO of the year award in Arizona, been able to bootstrap our company to where we are right now um, without taking on any funding. And then my CMO, Matt Mullen has worked with me in every company that I've started. So we've been working together for about 20 years. Um, so really the people that I've surrounded myself with help um, uh, me work and uh, really handle all the day-to-day grind where I can focus on what's important, which is vision, culture, strategy. And um, now I'm really focused on the sourcing side of things, trying to find better products through different means. And every day it's, you know, it's, it's a struggle every day. We got to have new product. And if we don't have great product, we don't sell anything. And so it's every single day is a different challenge. Um, and when we're selling a lot of product, it's great and happy and fun. And when we're not, it, it can get a little bit, um, you know, it can get a little bit depressed and down. So it's, um, every day is something different. It's unique and tenacious, right? At the same time, that's like what kind of keeps you doing it. How do you, right. I mean, how do you attract these people? <clears throat> Something that when you're speaking, just so you know, this is a question that I want to know. Like I personally want to know, you know, as your company's growing and as you're, how do you attract people that can help run that? Cause that's where I'm at right now. My biggest limitation, like everyone is just time. I don't have time to do most of what I'm doing right now. And, uh, you know, how do you attract those people that carry your heart and like, tell us about that process. Uh, you know, it's really an organic kind of process for us. We have on the tech side, we've, we've put out recruiters and tried to find people, but really the best employees are from referrals and from people saying, Hey, you know, tank is a great place to work. And then giving us the name of someone to go and interview. Um, you know, I want to get to a point where we have people lined up at the door with resumes wanting to work for us and we're turning away people rather than us having to go out and pay for recruiters or pay for um, advertisements and trying to go to LinkedIn and poach people. I mean, I would much rather have Tinga be that type of brand and company that everyone's talking about, saying how cool it is, how fun it is, what we're doing great things and changing the world. Um, that would be really uh, my, my goal, I guess, that we would have people that are just waiting in line to come in and work for us. That's so cool. So what, what just is like, I'm just going to shoot you some really practical questions, some quick, like back and forths. Like what time is your ideal wake up time? I get up about between five fifteen and five thirty. Okay. What, uh, what's your like favorite productivity tool? Uh, we use uh, Slack, uh, exclusively for communication in our company. Great. Well, tell me what that looks like. I, I've heard of it before, but what does Slack do for you? Uh, it, it basically gets rid of email communication, which is slow and unwieldy. Uh, we have instant communication with all of our team members. Each uh, department has their own communication channels. We've got uh, communication channels for ideas and for groups within the company. And it just really brings everybody together and lets people know what's going on within every department. So there's no head gap. So what are your next 90 day, and I'm just going to use the word 90 day goals, but like, what are your next 90 day obstacles, goals, things that you're trying to accomplish that you're like, man, these are the things that I want to do in this season and this, this time right now. So Q2, our 
strategic strategy for the year is acquiring new customers, retaining old ones. And so we do something really cool where we have projects that are divided up into like six week timeframes. And we create really cool movie posters um, where we change the title. Our, our graphic art, artist, Joe, is unbelievable. And so he creates a movie poster where, where um, you know, for example, we last quarter, we wanted to find more affiliates. So we have, instead of American Hustle movie poster, we have Affiliate Hustle movie poster. And our affiliate team is out to find 10 great new affiliates over the next uh, six weeks. And so we have five or six posters on the wall at once um, where we are trying to accomplish something specific. And so for Q2, we need to find new ways of acquiring customers, new ways of retaining customers that we currently have and to be able to reach those customers. And so we have a series of posters that we've, we are creating right now for Q2 so that we can hit the ground running in the next couple of weeks. Man, that is awesome. I love it. Okay, so what about purpose? Tell me what purpose means to you. So, you know, I, I think that's changed over um, over the past three or four years for me. For now, now for me, purpose is, uh, leaving the world in a better place than um, than 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 what I what I have in it right now. So, you know, leaving a, a legacy for people to talk about me when I'm gone, or helping alleviate suffering, um, giving my children, um, you know, the power to create something incredible in their lives. Um, and so, for me, I really want to build a business that eventually, if I sell it. I can take that money for good to help uh, alleviate suffering in the world and to build a better life, uh, less fortunate than me. And really, when I am on my deathbed, I want my last dollar to be spent to try to help others uh, that are in need. And Man. so that's been my purpose. Um, and that's changed. You know, when I was young and I had a lot of money, I wanted the latest sports car and I, I wanted the, the largest house and I... I, you know, I wanted all of these material things where those things are great and nice and fun to have, but really it doesn't bring the happiness or the satisfaction in my life anymore. That's like a very interesting perspective. I don't hear, I don't hear a lot of people talk like that, uh, but I would say the people in our tribe, the people that come on the Dreamcast, I mean, it's very interesting to find people that ultimately get to the end of the dream quote unquote, or to the end of the purpose that they thought they had intentionally built. And then they're like, man, actually, I want to do this instead. I want to, I want to give it away. I want to help others. I want to, it's, it, you know, it, we, we're self-focused. And then ultimately the moment we get those things for ourselves, we're like, well, that didn't feel like what we thought it was going to feel like. We'd rather do that for others. Cause that's what it sounds like your whole life, your whole purpose is around others, your family, the people around you, the people in your business, when you sell your business, what people talk about you as, I mean, that's like, where did, where did all that kind of, I mean, that's been your journey, right? I, I think that for me, my spirituality has changed and, and the purpose of life has changed over the past few years for me. And, and so it's been, it's been a deliberate change of focus about what my goals are and what life is all about. And so um, for me, it really is trying to have experiences in life with friends and families uh, and, and, and people that need help and people that need love and support. Um, so we are trying to create those experiences all the time in our home um, and within our circle of friends to try to change people's lives for the good. That's great. Okay, if you could, you know, say that you had one superpower, you know, and this could be something that you just think you're really good at, 
and it's really served you well, what would that superpower be? Um, I'm, I'm a pretty good uh, musician. So I have played cello and piano, mostly piano my whole life. And I, um, used to use that, uh, in church a lot, but now, um, that I've kind of, um, distanced myself from my religion of growing up. I, I now use that in different ways. Like I have big Christmas parties and we, we have a two-hour musical program where I invite a hundred friends and people in the community, and we create beautiful music and stories and and, and share so experiences. Cool. Yeah, so that's been something fun that I've done with my musical talent. Great. Give me like a quote, like a quote, a mantra that you're like. I mean, it could be self-made. It could be something that you, you know someone spoke to you or gave to you that you really live by. That you really like. It comes to mind right now when I'm talking about it. Oh man. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I, I mean, for business, it, my mantra really is go fast and accept uncertainty. Um, for my for my family, I think it's integrity is everything, and we define integrity a little bit different. When we were when we were in the Mormon Church, integrity meant that you're not doing anything bad, that you're not uh, drinking coffee, that you're not drinking tea, that you're not drinking alcohol, that you're you know, doing everything like your, your 20 hours of commitment to the church a week. Um, you know, it's, but now integrity means for us is doing what you say you're going to do, because I think the difference between right and wrong is very subjective for a lot, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so now in my family, when we say, Hey, you're out of integrity, or you're not showing integrity, it has nothing to do with right or wrong. It has everything to do with I am doing exactly what I said I was going to do. And if I don't, I need to restore that integrity with the person that I broke that integrity with. Man, that's so powerful. All right, well, thanks for kind of leaning into that and like <laughs> let me put you on the spot there because that answer was great, man. So what are some of your favorite things to do in your free time? So we are big travelers. Um it's something that we started doing when I sold my first business. I joined a company called Exclusive Resorts, and we have traveled all over the world with our kids. Um, and we love to visit other countries, um, eat other food, experience other people. Uh, and so that has been something that's been super important to our family, and we continue to travel quite a bit now. Um, my wife and I will be in Italy for 10 days in a few weeks. And our goal is to to not be in the big cities, to go and visit the countryside and basically visit wineries all day and, and just really experience what it's like um, to be out in the countryside and to meet people who their whole lives has been this passion for creating wine. And their family history goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and it's just fun to sit down at a table with, with a family that has put their whole life in the creating this wine and and we get to eat with them and share those experiences and stories and sit in these beautiful vineyards i mean it really is kind of a life-changing experience that my wife and i never got to have growing up mormon um so really for the past year and a half we've been kind of doing some wine traveling and it's it's been incredible i mean really i love it's a spiritual experience for us I love how you say, like, you know, when you talked about travel, you said, like, experience other people. Like, because that's exactly right. Like, you know, experiencing culture and other people is, is so fun. Like, 
I love going to Asia and Thailand and, and, and Cambodia and Africa and South America and Central America and all the different countries. They all have their own, you know, they all have their own way of doing something and they're doing the same thing, but they all do it a different way. And it's, you know, I know we talked a lot about this a little bit, just like there's so much adventure and joy. And again, it's, it's an, it's a spiritual experience to be able to just connect. Like what I'm, what I love about you, Jeremy, is you, you want to connect. You're going out into these rural areas and what you enjoy isn't just kind of sitting there drinking the wine. It's engaging with people's story. I mean, it's like so unique. And and I think it humanizes back that success in life isn't the dollar amount. It isn't selling the $50 million company. It's actually saying, man, I've been able to, to be married to this awesome woman and we're really working on the integrity. Like I'm trying to do what I said I was going to do for her. And like same with my kids, like I'm just so thankful that you took time to be on the Dreamcast. really like, thank you for being you, man. Like your life is an encouragement to me. And I don't say that lightly. Like I always say that a lot of the people on the Dreamcast are just an upgraded version of who I hope that I am in the future. <laughs> like it's so cool to kind of hear your story. No, I appreciate that. I really do. So to end the Dreamcast, like I just would love for you to tell me if you could go back to your 18-year-old self. I mean, sometimes this is, a, this is a little bit of a tough question, right? But like, what kind of advice would you give them around the subject of purpose? What would you tell uh, young Jeremy? Yeah, it, it's, it's an easy question for me um, because I, I, I think that I would just say, listen, um, research, research everything, um, ask questions on everything. Um, do not just take everyone's word for, for truth. Um, basically use your mind, use, use the mind that God has given you to really find out what's true for you. And, um, I think that that would have changed completely the course of my life. Um, who knows if it would be better or I know it'd be different for sure. I mean, I really appreciate the life that I've had because it's brought me everything that I have right now. And it's so, you know, it's kind of hard to go back and say that I want all of that to change. But I think that it would it would be really solid advice to go back and say, question everything, do your own research and find out what's true for you. Man, that's applicable to so many people's lives. Right. I mean, one of the greatest things that I feel has even happened in my life is just kind of becoming the questioner. Right. Don't don't tell people the answer anymore and don't even look for the answer. Look for the question. Because, you know, your question derives the answer. Some of us are just asking the wrong question in life, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you need to. I think that you can become incredibly smart by just asking better questions and just listening. Um, the people that just like to talk and, um, you know, it's, you don't learn anything from just people that, that um, you know, if I, if I were to just meet someone and just, just talk, for 20 minutes and not really listen or engage. I'm, I'm not providing them any value. I'm not getting any value, but for me, I would much rather ask better questions and listen and learn from everyone that I meet. Yeah. That's something I've been really practicing too. It's cool that you say that I, you know, and it's a daily, it's a daily practice though, right? To actively listen, to ask with intentionality, to learn and to man, like, killer thanks for saying that too well jeremy thanks again for coming on the dreamcast looking forward to doing this again in the future perfect thank you so much i appreciate it well you just listened to jeremy young an entrepreneur at heart accomplishing and overcoming all the obstacles to discover and live out his purpose and actually the greatest part about the dreamcast is it's all about listening to the great minds and hearts 
and lives of the universe and understanding how they made their dream a reality. So thanks again for tuning into this week's episode. We'll see you next week.